theyeshiva.net. Yesterday, we learned about the difference of Kedusha and Klippa. If something is intrinsically alive, or it just uh, makes believe. In the language, in the original language, there's something that has a, a chius atzmi, which means its life is atzmiistic, which means intrinsic, and something that doesn't have a chius atzmi, its life is not intrinsic. This is the difference we learned between Kedusha and not Kedusha. In Kedusha, its life is intrinsic. And in not, not Kedusha, it doesn't have intrinsic life. And that's the reason that the Yetzirah, which is the representative of Klippa, the voice of Klippa, is so eager and enthusiastic and obsessed and determined to make a person fall, to make a person angry, depressed, demoralized, to turn a person into ashmata, to take a person out of the zone, out of the space of balance, of uh, faith, of hope, of healing, of light, of love, of consciousness, and of truth. He wants to take the person out of there. And as we learned, he will do anything, ever, and not stop. Every scheme, every opportunity, it never fails to seize an opportunity to make you lose an opportunity. You get it? The Itzahara will never fail to seize an opportunity to make sure that you lose an opportunity. Small things, big things, who knows what's small and what's big, but small things, big things, very big things, very small things. And as they say in Yiddish, as mevatet garnish, you can learn from him. <laughs> he does not compromise on anything. The smallest sin, I can get you a little bit depressed, a little bit demoralized, a little bit immoral. I go for it. And he goes for it with the passion, with so much passion. What's the secret of this? You say, because he hates you. Why does he hate you? What do you do to him? Why does he hate you? Why does he hate me? The answer is, for him it's survival. Klippa doesn't have a life. It fakes a life. It doesn't have a life. Because there's only one source of life. The only source of life is the only source of life is the oneness of Hashem. That's the source of life. And that is who we all are. That is, it's who Klip also is. Klip is also Eneid Mulvad. Nothing has a life outside of the source of all life. Oneness. The harmony of the universe. The divine energy that vibrates through every single cell, every single electron, Every single neutron, every single genome, and every single letter of the DNA and its configurations, it's all divine energy that continuously vibrates, animates, vivifies, creates 
as we learn so often <coughs> in Chassidus. <coughs> so even Klippa has no chiyas outside of Kedusha. It's the only source of life. There's no, there's no, there's no nine sources of life. Today we go here, today we go there. The question is only perception. In order to be in touch with that source of life, there's one condition, and that is I have to be open to it. It's called bitl. Bitl means I'm open to that alignment. I'm acknowledging who am I? I am a conduit. I am a manifestation of the divine. I'm not separate. The genesis of all Avaidizara is separateness. The Gemara, we know Chazal say, the Rambam brings in Hilchas Deis, the sources in Zohar, Kal Hakayis Ki'ilu Oved Avaidizara. When somebody is angry, it's like Avaidizara. Why? I'm angry, so I'm worshipping idolatry. What's the connection? I don't believe in God. So there's different explanations. One of the explanations is, whenever I'm angry, it's because I feel like I lost control. I lost control over a situation, and I'm furious. At that moment, I went out of the space of knowing that I'm part of infinity. It may be a challenge that I have to deal with, but what's this anger? Anger is because I'm in a space where I'm not in touch with my infinite core, with the fact that I'm one with Hashem at every moment. It's also sometimes because I want to control things that I never controlled. I just feel I have to control it. So that moment, I go out of the space of achdus. So, but even Klippa is really part of the oneness. But you have to acknowledge it in order to get that energy. Like I spoke yesterday about plugging in the refrigerator. And the truth is, here you don't even have to plug in the refrigerator. This is the essence of the refrigerator. There's no refrigerator outside of this. It's not like a refrigerator is a refrigerator. It needs electricity. Here, the whole being is really divine. But Klippa doesn't want to acknowledge this, because if it would acknowledge it, it wouldn't be clipper. So therefore, what does it do? It has only one other option, and that is, if it can get you in the dumps, it can take your energy. We come back to the spilling of the blood at length. Something we spoke about at length. The concept of Aveda transporting, as explained at length yesterday in the previous classes, if you're coming today, first time it's Kedai to review the previous class, and even if you're not coming the first time, it's Kedai to, pre- to review, so you could retain it well. That's the secret, that it seeks always to get the person down in the dumps, and, and in the abyss, and it will not forego an opportunity to do this, and this is connected to the idea that he began developing that Kedusha means anything or anybody that is intrinsically alive. It's alive. Why is it alive? Because it is life. It's part of the source of life. Klippa doesn't have a life. What do they say in English? doesn't have a life. You have this expression here. It's not, it fakes a life. Makes believe it's a lot. It's distracting itself always in order to avoid the sense that it's dead. 
Like we spoke yesterday, you could be the, either be busy living or busy dying. But who wants to be busy dying? I make believe that I'm alive. I'm always distracting myself from the numbness and the void and the pain to be able to feel that I'm alive. Because there is essentially a disconnection of the intrinsic of, of, of life. Asks the Maimer, but this seems to be not an accurate description because nothing is really alive outside of the Ratzon Habayri, outside of the Ratzon Hashem, like the Rambam says in the beginning of Mishnah Torah and Hilchis Yisaida Torah Perik Aleph, Hashem Elikim Emes. Nothing has that quality of emes, because everything needs him and he needs nothing. And if he was gone, if he didn't want them to be, they wouldn't exist. But if they weren't here, he would still exist. So everything, no difference on a shama, a malach, a world, even the highest levels of energy and holiness, it's all because of him, Zeratzin. So just like Klippa doesn't really exist, you can also say Kedusha doesn't really exist. And yet we make this distinction between Kedusha and Klippa. And that's what he says, that that's not the case. Kedusha, everything, the whole cosmic order of holiness, what we spoke about, Oiris, Kalim, Neshamas, is Hukayam, Ushmoi Kayam, V'chisai, Nachayin, Umalchusai, V'amunosei, Lad Kayamas. Hukayam, is Hashem, and the Oir of Hashem, Ushmoi Kayam, as he said, is the keli, and kisei uh, nachen is the shamas yisrael. There's a kiyum atzmi an intrinsic life, which is now going to be the next, the next piece that we're going to explore. Well, the havens uh, to understand is page eighty nine, the last paragraph. Well, havens zehine yadua shaeir shalomayl hukamay shekadmay ahadir. It's known in primi satayra. In Kabbalah and Chassidus, when we speak about Hashem's Eir, it's something that you could say about it. It was. It's as though it's preceded by absence. Thank you. Heder means absence. Kadmai from the word Kaidem is preceded. It's Those are important words. It's as though it's preceded by absence. It's not preceded by absence, but it says though it's preceded by absence. The You can't compare oil, light, that we have here below, which is absolutely unique, but still not like when we speak about the oil of Hashem. Now, the fact that we call them both oil means they're connected. Light in our world, physical light, if you can call it physical, is a manifestation of the divine light. That's why they're called Ur. We know that the system of Ishtashalus is, there's an evolution from the spiritual to the physical. And even before that, from the spiritual itself, one gradation to another gradation to another gradation, the divine energy evolves or devolves, and in each world it assumes a more concrete incarnation until it finally assumes its most concrete and earthly physical incarnation. Everything is rooted first in energy. And we spoke about this a few times, that even in modern physics there's an expression. I think Max Planck, the father of uh, quantum theory, he says, 
consciousness is not a derivative of matter. Matter is a derivative of consciousness. In in secular language of physics, this is mamish almost verbatim of 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 the many maimonim of the Balatanya. That all everything in this world is an evolution of consciousness. Now he was talking about human consciousness. That consciousness is the relative of matter. In other words, something exists because I observe it in a certain way and that makes its existence. But this is really true about all over the world. There's a hishtalshlus, an evolution, from the spiritual to the physical. In other words, matter is a derivative of consciousness. On one level it's consciousness, and on another level it's matter. And even then it remains consciousness. It just depends how you see it. As a result of this, this is discussed in Shari Yichud and Tanya, in chapter 1, and chapter 2, and chapter 3, and in the continuous chapters, and in many other sources, the Balatanya and uh, his successors. And it's a fundamental idea in Kabbalah and in Chesidus. Light, light, we know today, we know. The mystery of light is incredible. To the point, first of all, the speed of light. The speed of light is something that is shocking, as it is awe-inspiring. I think it's a hundred, I think light travels a hundred and eighty-six thousand miles per second. Somewhere in that zip code. A <laughs> hundred and eighty-six thousand miles per second. Think about that speed. When you speak about a light year, yeah, yeah, this is a four billion light years away. People don't a light year, shapes, not chayar. Our year is three hundred and sixty-five days. And every day is made up of its 24 hours. And every hour is made up of its 60 minutes. And the minute is made up of the seconds that make up the minute. You're talking about, a, 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 you say, 4 billion light years. A light year is a year in terms of, from the perspective of light, <laughs> traveling 186,000 miles per second. And now multiply that from seconds into minutes, and from minutes into hours, and from hours into days, and from days into a year. The speed of light is mind staggering. Not only that, it's an old debate in science and physics, if light is a particle or a wave. It's beyond the realm of this class. But they couldn't figure it out, because they saw symptoms of a wave, and symptoms of a light, in other, of, of, a, of a particle. Light acted sometimes as a particle and sometimes as a wave. And the most recent conclusions in recent years is that light contains a paradox. It can be defined as a particle, it can be defined as a wave, it can be defined as neither, it can be defined as both, it can be defined as either. And they're all true. And a lot of it has to do with the observer, what you see when you look at it. And they even saw that light on its own operates in paradoxical ways, mamish opposite ways, and then when I look at it, and I observe it, it collapses into one predictable and one defined model. All this is because the light that we experience down here, the light that allows us to have light, the physical light, or say the light of the sun, is really a reflection of the Ayurvain Saif. And that's why it has properties of Ein Saif in it. That's the mystery of light. Because our light essentially originates in divine light. What is divine light? 
The definition of light, at least one definition of light, is what allows something to be revealed. When you say the light travels and it hits my eyes, it's a certain frequency that we're describing that allows my eyes, my brain, to be able to experience to some degree that other object. So I'm now looking at a tree. Everything emits light. If something would not emit light, so that everything would be self-contained. You would exist only vis-a-vis yourself. Because there is light, you exist vis-a-vis me, and I exist vis-a-vis you. Meaning, a light is the art of relationship. It's the beginning of relationship. Light allows me to experience you, to see you. And it's also quite practically. If the room is dark, the room is pitch dark, nothing changes in the room. The bookcase is here, and the mic is here, and the computer is here, and the cup of coffee is here, and the mouse is here, and the papers are here, and the books are here. But I can't see them. They are there, and I am here. You switch on the light, and suddenly what happens? We're in a relationship. I could see them. I could see you. You could see me. I'm talking very technical, practical level. But this is true also in much more sophisticated and abstract ways. In one word is what allows me to experience the other. That's what Ayr means. Ayr is the way the other reaches me, the way I interpret it, the way I see you. And we all know that that's always limited. That's why there are colors I can't see. You know, there are birds who see colors that we humans don't see. Why? Why? Why can't I see them? The answer is because all of light is basically the length of the frequency of light that travels from the object or from the being which emits light, everything emits light, and it reaches my retina, my eye, which captures the stimuli, sends it to the brain, and the brain interprets it as such. But what if my instruments, my retina, my brain can't capture this? I don't have the, the calum to capture this frequency. It doesn't exist in my mind. So, Oyer is the way Hashem allowed one to be seen, absorbed, observed, observed by the other. And therefore interpreted by the other. Where does this all begin? Oyer ain't soif. What's Oyer ain't soif? We often use the word Oyer, the Oyer of Hashem. What, what do they mean by the word light? Obviously, you're not talking about physical light. Physical light is a evolution, it's a manifestation of divine light. But what do they mean by Oyrein Saif? Oyrein Saif is the infinite light. The Oyr of Hashem. What do you mean the Oyr of Hashem? What if there wouldn't be Oyr? Oyr of Hashem is the fact that the Rebbeinah Shalom allowed that the undefined Ein Saif should emit light. What does it mean should emit light? Should ultimately be able to be seen and experienced. Because the essence is undefined and therefore inexperienceable. In order for me to experience something, it has to be able to relate to me on some level. I have to be able to grasp it, to capture it. There are sounds I can't hear. There are colors I can't see. And in my world, they don't exist. Not because they don't exist, but because their oil doesn't reach me. Their light doesn't reach me. If Hashem wouldn't have oil, then there would be no concept of one thing being seen and experienced by the other including in the beginning of everything 
the creator of the world wanted that the Ein Soif should have an Oyr. What does it mean, Oyr? Its presence should be able to be appreciated. It should travel. It should be able to be somewhat perceived, experienced to some degree by the other. That's the genesis of the concept of Oyr. It's the way an undefined essence, completely unlimited, and doesn't have any definition, not even the definition that it doesn't have a definition, chose to have Oyr. What is Oyr? It should be able to be packaged and somehow experienced and observed by someone outside of it, or someone who thinks he's outside of it. That's Oyr. Now the question is, could have he chosen not to have air? Down here below, can the sun decide, I'm not emitting light. Or can I decide, I want to be here, but I don't want you to see me. <laughs> I guess I could shut the camera. <laughs> In our physical world, air is a necessity. The source of light emits light. You don't want anybody to see you? Then go hide in a closet. And even then you have air. You just close the door. In other words, I don't choose. I can't choose if I have light or not. Can the sun choose? I don't want to emit any light. There may be clouds, so some of the light may not reach me, at least not in such clarity. But the object emits light. In other words, whenever there's a source, there's light. We don't have a choice to distinguish between the two. The Meyer, Meyer means the luminary, the source of light. Say the sun. Its essence is that it gives light. Light comes from it. If you eliminate the reality of light, it's not a Meyer anymore. It doesn't exist. It's not, it's not uh, what it is. It's a source of light. Take the sun. The sun's a ball. Of, 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 of heat, of energy, of fire, and it emits light. The moment the mire emerges, the moment that the luminary, the source of light emerges, it emits light. When we speak of Hashem's air, the air is called the Gilirtsaini, meaning it's a volitional manifestation. It's an expression in Zohar. The light of Hashem transcends higher and higher and higher. Ad infinitum. It also extends lower and lower and lower and lower without an end. Hashem's oil can express itself lower and lower and lower and lower to no end, but it can also conceal itself and retreat higher and higher and higher and higher to no end. So if he chooses, there could be a hisgalus of oil, and if he chooses, there could be absolutely no revelation of any light. It's not something that is a natural default. It's not by default. Every other, when you talk about light in the physical world, if there's a source that gives light, automatically it gives light, it emits light. 
that's part of its missions. That, that's part of its, its, its chemistry. You can't distinguish between one and the other. You could distinguish between the two, but it's one is dependent on the other. If there's a mire, there's oil. If there's oil, it means there's a mire. And the mire can't say, I'm not giving light. It, it, com- it comes with a package. <laughs> it comes with a package. You emit light. By Hashem, it has to be a rotsin. There's a special choice that I want to emit light. And therefore, it could also be lamay lamay laden kets, which means higher and higher and higher ad infinitum, to the point that it's completely concealed. There's no experience of the Ein There's no er. There's no er. What do you mean there's no er? There's no experience. He remains completely within himself. And these two concepts, that Eirin Seif could be completely concealed and completely revealed, are Kavim Shkulim, they're both equal. It's not relevant, it's not going to affect him if Eir comes from him or not, it's not like his essence will be diminished or increased one way or another. Back to the words of the Rambam. The Rambam says, there's no emes, like the emes of Hashem, because everything in the world, even though it exists, it exists only because He wants it to exist. And if without Hashem's will, everything ceases. But Hashem doesn't need anything else to exist. And when He doesn't need anything, even the oiri doesn't need to exist. In other words, the presence, the manifestation of his existence, the fact that his existence can be felt, can be seen, can be observed, can be appreciated, is not essential to the existence. It's something that he chooses. In other words, is the beginning of PR, the beginning of public relations. (laughs) I know that it's a brute metaphor. It's the fact that the etzem wanted that it should be able to be some type of experience of the etzem. That God should be able to be packaged to the very point that we could say the word God. When we say the word God, Hashem, it's all Eir. It's not Etzem. I can't speak about the essence. I could speak. I can't speak about His essence. I can't even speak about your essence. All I could speak about is how I experience you. Is that true? I don't know anybody. I don't know anything. I don't even know myself. I know my, at best. I know my light. You don't know anything. We know the light of it. We don't have a way of capturing the essence. L'chayre. Or at least it's very not simple. Can you ever capture the essence? You know, these are ideas that uh, philosophy last few hundred years became very prevalent in different ways and different manifestations. But in the in the Maimonim of the Balatanya, he distinguishes between these two things. There's etzim and there's oir. I don't have access to your essence. I don't even have access to my essence. I have access to the oil. In other words, there's the way you're packaged in my brain, which is based on many limitations. It's based on that which could come out through your light, and it's based on what I could grasp of your light. And that's true also with the Ein Saif. Every world experiences and interprets God in a different way. <laughs> and there can even be a world where there's no air whatsoever. There's no grasping whatsoever. There's no appreciation whatsoever. There's no air. The air is completely concealed. Because air in surf could be It can reach the lowest of the low with no end. And it can also retreat, so to speak, and go upwards 
Lamaila Maila without an end. Ad ad infinitum. In other words, the concealment becomes absolute completely. It's absolute and complete. So what is Ayr? Ayr is that Hashem wanted that there should be something called Ayrin Saif. What's Ayrin Saif? That somehow God should be able to be God. <laughs> because the fact that I'm using a word, just use the word God. And it's it we associate something with the word God, right? Different people associate different things, sometimes not very positive things. But whatever word you want to use, Hashem, the Bashefer, the Rebbeinu Shalom, or cosmic reality, non-existential state of existence, the undefined reality, the core of all reality, the infinite one, the harmonious presence, all new age words, whatever you use, you want to word, that's all I, all I. It's packaging a certain reality in a way that I can have some relationship to it, at least in my own mind. That comes from Ayr. I'm allowing myself to be seen. What does it mean to be seen? To be packaged, to be experienced, based on your capacity of how much of my Ayr you can get, and based on how much my Ayr transmits of me. Generally in this world, Ayr comes with a product. It's default. Default mode is everything has air. But Hashem, he says, it's a gili beratzen. He doesn't need anything else to exist, not even air. In other words, the fact that light is emitted and experienced by somebody else doesn't add to his existence. He doesn't need that validation in order to increase his atzmius. That's why when we speak by Hashem, we speak about Ayr, we don't say there's a Mayr, God is a source of light, so for sure there's light. It's as though absence precedes it. When you're talking about the sun, the sun and the light that comes from the sun, it comes together. You can't say the light was preceded by absence. If there's a sun, there's light. If there's any source of light, there is light. It comes with the package. By Hashem, you could say, it's as though that light is preceded by absence, meaning it's almost like a creation. It's not a creation because it's light. It's a natural expression. But it's a creation in the sense that it has to be volitional. He wants it. This is all before this ayr. Hashem chooses there should be ayr. He didn't have to. But after Hashem desired, this should be Eid. Now the Eid is intrinsically alive. It's not just a superficial life, it's intrinsically alive, like alive like the essence. Since Eid reflects the Moir, the concept of Eid is that it reflects, it gives you a perspective of that which it comes from. Through the light of the sun, I see the sun, and the light that comes from the tree allows me to see the tree. So therefore, everything that exists in the moir comes out in the light. And even the fact that the moir, Hashem, is his metzius comes from himself, his metzius doesn't come from anybody else that created it. His metzius comes from himself. It's intrinsic. 
This is also manifested in Oy. As the Balatanya explains in Tanya Nigeris HaKadosh Chav, Creation of the world happened through Hashem's own. Because Oy reflects the source of light. The essence of Hashem comes from His essence. The reality of Hashem, His Mitzius, His reality comes from His essence. Nothing precedes it. It's not like He exists because somebody else wanted Him to exist. Like every other existence. His Mitzius comes from Himself. Therefore, we have a very interesting thing that Tanya says, a fascinating thing. The only one who had the ability to create yesh me'ayin ve'efes ha'mochlet, something that is preceded by absolute nothingness, a new reality, a new reality completely that was preceded by absolute nothingness. The only one who could create such a reality is atzmos, the essence of Hashem. Why the essence of Hashem? So the Balatanya explains because this something that's created from nothing, when you look at it, what does it feel? And what does it say? It says, I'm here and I don't have a source. That's what our physical world looks like. We can study it and research it, research it, and reach a logical conclusion that with such intelligent design, there has to be an intelligent designer. But the instinctive, intuitive outcry of everything that exists in the world is, there's me and there's nothing else. Where do you come from? Nowhere. I'm always here. I belong here. This is my world. Where does our world get this ego from, this self-confidence from? So throughout history, you would think, this is the problem of our world. The problem of our world is that God is so concealed Everything thinks it's independent. The Balatanya says, and this is actually the last Maimon that he wrote before his passing in 1812, the Balatanya says it's much deeper than that. This property of our world, that it feels that it has no precedent, it has no what we call antecedent, it has no progenitor, it has no tati and mami, in a way, this actually reflects the deepest truth because it comes from Hashem's essence who Taka doesn't have a source. He doesn't have a progenitor. He doesn't have an antecedent. His mitzius comes from where? From him himself. And that's why the physical world experiences the same notion. I come from me. I don't come from anything else. At the surface, this represents the darkness of our world. It represents the clip of our world. It represents the ignorance of our world. And it represents the arrogance of our world. And ignorance and arrogance work together. On a deeper level, the physical sense of dependence that our world bespeaks, the fact that when I look at a world intuitively, it doesn't say I come from somewhere. It doesn't say I'm a manifestation of something. It doesn't say I am a child of something. Yes, logically, if I look at the world, I say, if I do detective work, you have to do detective work. 
How do detectives do their work? If they come to a crime scene, yeah, they don't know anything. They just see the results of the crime. Now they have to use their logic and figure out how did this happen. So you have to say, well, if this and this happened, it had to be the person came from here, the person came from there. And you look for every type of uh, trace, every type of trace to be able to figure out, was there somebody here? Was this foul play? Was there somebody involved in this crime scene? Was it just a natural phenomenon? Because you don't see it. When you look at this world, you should have to be a detective. And you have to say, this is a scene. This, is, this world is a scene. Not a crime scene, hopefully. A beautiful scene. <laughs> at least much of the world. And now you want to know, where did this happen from? But what's the instinctive, intuitive experience of every physical being? I come from me. Where do I come from? I don't need anybody to uh, justify me. Where does this notion come from? So the Balatanya says, because the only one who can create a yesh, something, that has absolutely no precedent to it, and it doesn't feel that it has a precedent, even though it does, comes from the Creator, is Hashem Himself, because Hashem is that way. So He gives us the gift of His essence. His essence has no precedent. Nobody created it. And therefore, we feel that way. We feel that we have no progenitor, that we have no antecedent, because our Creator has no antecedent. So our sense of absolute independence is rooted in the divine essence, which is truly absolutely independent. Our sense of absolute autonomy is rooted in the divine absolute autonomy, which absolutely doesn't have an antecedent. And that's why... The creation of our world, yesh me ayin mamish, comes from atzmos, but it happens through air. It happens through light. What does it mean it happens through light? Even though light on its own is as though it was preceded by absence. And that's why in Kabbalah it's called Eirin Seif and not Ein It doesn't have an end. But we don't say it doesn't have a beginning. Because it has a beginning. But since Eir is a reflection of the luminary, of the source, so therefore Eir transports or it carries even the quality in the source that it comes from itself. So creation can happen through Hashem's light. So the air after it emerges is intrinsically alive. And that's what we mean when we say in Davening, there's Hukayam, there's Shmoikayam, and there's Chisenach. What's the point here? Can you say that the light of Ein Saif is really alive? If it's something that is preceded by absence, or it's like it's preceded by absence, means it's not intrinsically alive. It's here because Hashem wanted it to be here. He says, that's true. But after He wants there should be air, it's a type of existence that is intrinsically alive. Because what is air? Air is that unique reality that it's me'en ha'moyer. Air has no ego. What's the definition of air? Air means... I'm here to reveal my master to you. That's what Ayer says. 
And that's why Ayr has no substance and has no ego. And that's why it's not defined so much by the properties of limitation, the limitations and the properties of our physical world, even physical light. Why? Because light transcends egotism. What's the definition of light? Definition of light is I am here, not because of me. I'm here to reveal my source. That's what light does. What does the ray of the sun say? So to speak, what is its message? Look where I come from. And you can't interrupt the two. If the ray comes into my house and I put down the Venetian blinds, I'm not going to have the rays anymore. The rays are always connected to their source. It's always connected. Because the ray without the source ceases to exist. It's not something that has its own ego. The definition of Eir is, I'm here to express my source. That's what Eir is. It's called Eir Me'ein Hamoyer. Eir is Me'ein. It reflects what the source is. So even though we said that the Eirei Saif is something that was volitional, in other words, it's as though absence preceded it. It doesn't come with the package. It's not like if Hashem exists, there has to be Eirei Saif. No, Hashem wanted there should be Eirei, therefore desire. That's true. But once he chooses there should be Eirei, he says the Eirei is Kayim Bekiyam Atzmi. It's intrinsically alive. Because what is it that he chose? He chose there should be something that its entire entity is a manifestation and a conduit to bring out the truth of Hashem. To the point, to the point that we say that creation happens through the Eir of Ein Saif, even though the Alter Rebbe explains that creation has to happen through Atmos, because only Atmos can create the Yesh of the physical world, nonetheless, because Eir is completely nullified and subservient and a conduit for the source, so therefore Eir can transport, so to speak, even that which transcends itself. That's what real light does. Real light carries within itself even that which transcends its own vocabulary because of its bitl, because of its subservience, and it doesn't have an ego and an identity of its own. So therefore, Ur could capture and carry that which transcends even the Ur itself, including the idea of Mitzi the essence of Hashem that comes from itself, which transcends Ur, even that can be transported in Ur. And therefore, we say who kayam. What's who? Not just atmos, also er. It's called intrinsically alive. It's not alive only in a superficial way, or it's alive because Hashem wants it to be alive. Meaning, on its own, it doesn't really have life. Once Hashem wants it to be alive, what is it? It's a reflection of Hashem Himself. And therefore, it's really alive. That's about oil. The same is true when it comes to the vessels. The vessels of there. That's The concept of kalim vessels, they unite with the oil that is manifested in them. And since we explain that real oil reflects the source, and therefore, if the source comes from itself, this comes out even in the oil. So ultimately, it also comes out in the kalim. So they are also intrinsically alive. 
because they're united with the light. Their identity becomes one with the light that fills them. And now we come to step three, the souls that came from Oiris and Kalim, they also are intrinsically alive. That's who Kayam is Oirish, my Kayam is Kalim, and Kisay Nachin is Neshamas that come from both of them. Let me try to simplify this a little bit. I know it's, this, is, uh, this is very deep, very abstract, especially somebody who's not familiar with this whole vocabulary. You can easily get lost there. Let's try to bring it down and understand the, the practical applications also in life. There's only one source of life. That source of life is the essence of everything. We call that atmos. Atmos means the core. Atmos, etzem, the bone, the core of reality. The question that was raised is, can we say that Kedusha, we said Kedusha is intrinsically alive, and Klippa is not intrinsically alive. It has to fake it, it has to make believe. But really nothing is intrinsically alive. Because if Hashem wants it to be, it's here. If He doesn't want it to be, it's not here. If He seizes, if His desire seizes, everything is naught. Everything doesn't exist. If we don't, if, if we're not, we don't exist, Hashem still exists. But if Hashem doesn't want us to exist, we don't exist. That's true, He says. But nonetheless, there's a fundamental difference between a life of holiness and a life of unholiness. And that's the difference that we're describing here. Is it Kayim Bekiyam Atzmi or not Kayim Bekiyam Atzmi? What's the difference? So that's what he says here. This is the concept of Bittl. The concept of Bittl means, as we say often, it's the concept of alignment. Anything in Kedusha, what's the definition of Kedusha? The definition of Kedusha is Bittl. How do you know something is holy? What does it mean, a moment of holiness? What's an experience of holiness? It's an experience of bittel. What does it mean, bittel? Bittel means that there's nothing blocking the relationship between me and my source. Bittel means shedding anything that is outside of my relationship with my source and anything that is creating a partition a distraction, a barrier between me and my source. You don't have to become bottle. You are bottle. Bittle means, the void of bittle is not to become anything. The void of bittle is to remove all of the static that disturbs the bittle. That's what bittle means. You're there. Bittle means you're there. But the static in my brain doesn't allow me to experience that I'm there. It doesn't allow me to be a channel for the source. Why? Because of all different types of thoughts and voices that replace that truth or try to replace that truth. What is the truth? What is the truth of Bittl? The truth of Bittl is that I am Ur. He says creation happens through Ur. What creation happens through Ur? It means all of creation is divine light. 
It's God manifesting himself in this world. It's God. That's what light is. Light is transport. Light transports. Light allows a reality to be seen, to be experienced, to be transmitted, to be manifested. You could speak about light in very subtle ways, in very concrete ways, but that's the combination, that's the definition of light in any way you spin it. What is creation? Creation is the Eid of Hashem. That's what it is. Everything is the Eid of Hashem. A mosquito, a bee, a hyena, a lioness, a star, black hole, the solar cycle, the lunar cycle. Every person, every atom, every molecule, every cell, every genome, every bush, every shrub, every drop of rain, every flake of snow, every grain of sand. From the black hole to a tiny flea, it's the Eid of Ein that's what it is. It's the Ein Saif being manifested. Sometimes it's manifested in a black hole. Sometimes it's manifested in a huge galaxy. Sometimes it's manifested in a tiny invisible cell. But it's the Eid of Ein Saif. And sometimes it's manifested in spiritual worlds, which we can't, which we even have a tar- hard time talking about. But that's what it is. What is Bittl? Bittl means shedding away, moving away, shedding all the layers and the voices and the thoughts that are a barrier, that are a distraction of that truth. That's what it is. And therefore, when a person can experience that, what is this avoid of bitl? Removing all those layers. What does it mean removing? I don't physically remove the layers. But if mentally I can allow myself to shed those distracting barriers that create a mechitza. They separate me from that truth. So what happens? Now the person is really alive. Why am I really alive? Because I'm just a conduit and a manifestation of that which is truly alive. So what is the Avayda of Bittl? What does it mean to be bottle? I don't have to create anything. I have to let go. <laughs> I have to let, and it's not, this is not easy. I have to let go of anything that creates a barrier between me and my source. That's it. I have to remove all the static in my brain, which disrupts little. It disrupts the absolute alignment the synchronization, the seamless flow of energy of the divine light through me. Because that's what I really am. Who am I? Who am I? Who are you? I am a manifestation of Hashem's light. Why am I saying light, not Hashem? (laughs) Because I'm not God. You know the joke about the father-in-law, right? (laughs) It's a good one, right? The guy is, is a boy is dating his, his daughter, and after uh, many dates, you know, they're ready to get engaged, and he meets the boy, and he comes home, and, uh, you know, he reports to me, he's thinking about the meeting, so, you know, he met, he asked, <laughs> he asked the boy, you know, how are you planning to support yourself? And he says, God is going to provide, and he says, uh, you have a job, he says, God will provide, do you, do you have a skill, do you have a passion? 
He said, God will provide. He comes home. His wife says, "No, what are your impressions of our future son-in-law? He says, listen, the bad news is the guy has no job. The guy has no ambition. The guy has no skill. The guy is incompetent. He's not capable of anything. He's not even planning to do anything. So what's the good news? The good news is he thinks that I'm God. We are the Ur. What does it mean, the Ur? A manifestation of Hashem in this world. It's a manifestation. That's why it's called Ur. Now, does Ur really exist or does Ur not really exist? That's the very subtle distinction. On one hand, if Hashem didn't want Ur, there wasn't Ur. He doesn't have to be manifested. It's not like the sun can choose not to emit light. Hashem could choose not to emit light. But once he chooses that there should be a concept called Ur in Saif, and that's where the Bria happened, that's where creation happens, the Ur of Ein Saif is truly alive because it's bottled to the source. It's whole Metzius is to express the source. Even the Kalim. What's Kalim? Kalim is already the next step. Kalim is the way the divine light is manifested in structure, in finiteness. That's what a vessel is. That's the way God's light is manifested in my body, in my mind, in my structure. He says even Kalim are intrinsically alive. Because what's the definition of Kalim? To contain the light. And therefore the souls that have come from Eris and Kalim, they come from the Eris and are also intrinsically alive. Who Kayam? When I could remove all the static that disrupts and vibrates through me, and the message of the static of all the voices is that I am not, the common denominator of the messages is that I am not a reflection of my source, I'm not a conduit. The moment I could extricate that, I could not go there. I can't extricate it, but at least I can quarantine it. That's what the avoid of Bittl is. It's the ability to be able to say, I'm not my thoughts. You know, your thoughts are coming into you and they're taking you away from who you are. I'm not my thoughts. Observe them, but they're not you. They're not me. I'm not my struggles. I'm not my depression. I'm not my addiction. I am not my confusion. I am not my anxiety. I am not my fear. I am not my stress. I can actually observe it. I'm not even my body. I have stress. I have anxiety. <laughs> I have all this. I have toxicity. I have trauma. But I'm not my trauma. I am not that. And I'm not my anger. And I'm not my bad temper. That's bittle. We speak about bittle. That is bittle. Bittel doesn't mean becoming a new person. Bittel means allowing myself to shed the layers that impose themselves on me and make me feel and live in a way that is disconnected from who I really am. Who am I really? I'm the infinite manifestation of God's light in this world. I am Ur. I'm Ur the way it comes into Kalim, because Ur on its own is also infinite. Because it's a reflection of the source. Ur in Kalim is what gives it its finiteness. That's the Chiddush here. When there's Bittl, the Ur is intrinsically alive, the Kalim are intrinsically alive, and the Neshamas are intrinsically alive. And that's where you begin to live. Now you're not busy dying, now you're busy living. Because every single moment, you are a manifestation of the infinite source of life. And that's what a person is capable of being. You, we read words here, they seem very abstract, abstract, but I want you to realize how empowering they are. 
A person every single moment is capable of being truly alive. Not pseudo, it's not a pseudo life. It's really, really alive. Why? Because paradoxically, the more bittle, the more life. The less bittle, the more death. The more I go away from this truth of bittle, the more I allow my controlling voices, my voices of trauma, my voices of ego, my voices of frustration, insecurity, fear, my skeletons, my demons, my ghosts, my anger, my depression, my demoralization, my need to control everybody, and all that, the more I allow that to take over because I want to control my life, the less I control my life. The more I'm not in touch with my life, the more I'm trying to create substitutes for life, including trying to numb all the pain of this sense of alienation and loneliness. The more I can let go of all of this, even if I can't get rid of it. I can't always get rid of it. it may remain there, but I can watch it, I can observe it, and I can say, this is not who I am. Who am I? I am Eiris, Kalim, and Hashemus. <laughs> That's a good definition. What does it mean I'm the Eir? I'm the manifestation of Hashem in this world. I? Yeah, that's what Eir is. I'm the manifestation. If Hashem wouldn't want it, it wouldn't be here. That's true. But once He wants it, what is it? It's a manifestation. Again, and there's Eir, there's Kali, and there's Neshama. Eir is the pure light, unadulterated, infinite. Kali is the way the light assumes a structure. That's what a Kali is, a vessel. And Neshamas are the marriage, are the offspring of the marriage of Eiris and Kalim, which, by the way, is male and female. You'll figure out which one is which. So then there is intrinsic life. So therefore, what is bittel? Bittel means that I am part of Einoid Mulvadai. I am a piece of Hashem's infinity in this world. There may be a lot of circumstances that say this is not true, but the circumstances are not the truth. The truth is that in every situation, this is who I am. And this is my truest essence. And this is the most empowering thing, because this is the moment you become free, you're uninhibited, and you become fully in touch with life. Nobody will scare you, and nobody will stop you. You become invincible, indestructible. You're also in a place of confidence, of optimism, of hope. I hope some of this at least was clear. Let's take some questions. Okay, I'm going to take some questions. Reb Shlomo Yosef Zevin tells a story. In his childhood, Rebbe Eliezer of Zhikov had got up to a mischievous prank for which he was scolded by his father, Reb Naftali of Rupshitz. It's not my fault, the boy argued. I have had a Yitzhahara. Yitzhahara seeks to tempt me and I was enticed. All the more so, answered the father. You should take an example from the Yitzhahara. Look how faithfully he carries out his duty seducing people. True, said the boy, but the Yitzhahara hasn't got a Yitzhahara to tempt him not to do his duty. A person has a Yitzhahara. My Yitzhahara doesn't have a Yitzhahara. Beautiful. So you're saying Rebbe Liezer of Zikov with his father, Rebbe Holy Rebbe Naftali Rapshitzer. Rebbe Aaron says, learn and grow and strengthen and inspire each other. Words from Rabbi Jacobson that are worth spreading. Thank you, Rebbe Aaron. You're the best. Next. The Yitzhahara never misses an opportunity to trip you up. <laughs> but that's his job. He's doing his job well. Usually we daven with a minion. During the pandemic we were told that to serve Hashem, don't daven with a minion. Like the story of Rebzushan of Elimelech in the cave. The more the Yitzhahara tries, the more persistent and crafty he is, the better he's doing his job. Sometimes he tells you to daven with a minion and it's really the wrong thing. 
like the Zaina hired by the king to test and tempt the prince. She tries her hardest, but deep down is so devoted to the king, she wants the prince to pass the test. One might think that she would think if she failed, if she failed, if the prince didn't pass the test, she would fail, but really that is her happiness that she should fail. It's part of the grand plan, yeah? It takes seven seconds, give or take, for light to travel from the sun to the earth, right? What did one ray of light say to the other as they traveled together 186,000 miles per second? The ray said as follows, It's shocking and mind-boggling how slowly humans move. They walk four miles per hour, drive at 55 miles per hour, fly at merely thousands of miles per hour. It's amazing they ever get anywhere. <laughs> I love that. Very good. <laughs> it's amazing that we ever get anywhere, huh? Yeah. Wow, beautiful. Beautiful. So when the Sahara comes, the first thing is to be aware that he's there. Maybe not always easy, but if and when we're aware, what do you do? Talk to yourself, talk to someone you trust, talk to God, do a mitzvah, read Torah. Yeah, all of the above. I think the most important thing to do is quarantine him. In other words, realize that this is not the place you want to. This is not the place you want to go. Do not surrender your control to him. We have access to Hashem's ayr and his essence through Torah and through Chumash and through mitzvahs. The Alter Rebbe says that the five books of Moshe are the Ratzin of Hashem. Is this right? Yeah, of course. What is the meaning that Hashem's light, when he holds one close in the balance, is a deep soft purple, like a deep purple velvet? One can feel Hashem's essence in it, and he is there in, in, in that light, in that feeling. I don't know, I'm not familiar with this, I'm sorry. Was Pare the preeminent example of the full sense of I made myself? Ego and Yeshus on steroids, yeah? Pare said, the river is mine and I made myself. Bittal is removing all blockages and allowing the Bittal that's naturally there to shine. All angels, animals, vegetation, and inanimate matter inherently bottle at all times. Angels, yes. Souls, yes. When you talk about animals, vegetation, and uh, inanimate matter, on one level, yes, but on one level, not, because since they're part of the physical world, they don't really express it, and there's also no con- there's no choice. They're just part of a, a, sim- a, a symphony. So the truth is they're bottled, but it's the human being who has to reveal it in them. If something is dependent on God's will, does it mean that it doesn't intrinsically exist? That would seem like the point. And yet this Maimur is saying that when it comes to Eris and Kalim and Hashemah, because of the Bittl, we could say they intrinsically exist. Bittl sounds like a good place to be. Why is it described in negative terms? Am I misunderstanding? I have the same question. Next question. Does Bittl mean mentally removing barriers that create a mechitza? between me and truth, between me and life, and therefore now I am truly alive because I am a manifestation of God's light. Yes, that's the best way to describe it. If we can, Next question. If we can be the light, we can get everywhere. Let go of ego and no darkness pulls you down 
and then you could travel with the swiftness of light. So now we're going to go back to the joke. What did one ray tell the other? It's amazing that humans get anywhere when they're walking four miles per hour. But what happens if I can align myself with the light? So then I can also move in the speed of light. Even if physically my body can't move in that speed of light, but it means that mentally my speed, what we call it God speed, right? Mentally, my speed is a completely different speed. My alacrity, my energy, my enthusiasm assumes infinite properties. Beautiful, beautiful. Because if we could be the light, then we can get everywhere. We can get anywhere and we can get everywhere. So how do we do this? This is a very big avoid. Mentally removing the barriers that tell you that you're anything but the air, the manifestation of God's light in this world. Now, it's, these are not words. I could say I'm a manifestation of God. This is an experience. It's experiencing yourself this way. When you experience yourself this way, you never have to surrender to anger, to addiction, to control, to fear, to insecurity. Although we do, because those voices vibrate in us. And bittle means not to make yourself something new. No, not even to nullify yourself. Bittle means let go of that toxicity that traps you and really separates you from life because you're not a conduit anymore to the only source of life. When I'm a conduit for that source of life, now I am really alive. I'm not faking it and I don't need something to compensate for it. I don't need validation. I'm not afraid of criticism. I don't need distractions. I don't need to run to my iPhone. I don't need to run to websites. I don't need to run to the pantry. I don't need to run to the alcohol pantry. I don't need to run to the poker game. I don't have to run to other forms of uh, entertainment, which are really not entertainment. They're distractions. Rather, I'm alive. And if I'm really alive, so then everything changes. We'll take the last question. What does this mean in terms of your relationship with others, like with your spouse, with your children, with your students, with people around you, people you meet in the store, in the office? How does it relate to them? It's a great question. And the answer is, bittle doesn't only mean experiencing yourself in this way. We come now to step two. It means having the courage to experience other people too in this way. And not only other people, other situations. It means... That when I meet a person in the street, or in shul, or in the store, or in the office, or even in my house, (laughs) that's sometimes harder. Bittle means not only when I look in the mirror, when I look at you, I could see, I, I have the courage to be able to not allow the layers that may cover up your essence define my relationship. I could see you that way. And not only you, I could look at every situation. Every encounter, I look for the ayr ein soiv that's manifested through it. So this is all about our relationships with others and our relationships with every situation. Because what is the world? The world is really ayr ein soiv, einoid malvadeh. So therefore, on a practical level, I would say, never, never get scared of what your brain is telling you about yourself or what other people are telling you about themselves, or what the world is telling you about itself, you have the choice to always tap into the truth. And when you do that, 
It's a game changer because you become truly alive. And you feel it. Your heartbeat changes. You're in touch with the heartbeat of life rather than with the distractions that are trying to create a pseudo-life. My dearest friends, have a beautiful, beautiful day, a beautiful, beautiful week. The next shear in the Mimer is going to be Thursday morning, 7.30 a.m. And tonight, oh, t- today, 10 o'clock, we have our Rambam class. Tonight, 8.30, we're learning something on the Parsha, Parsha's Matos, a fascinating sugi and Matos. The title is You're Never Stuck. I guess it fits in also with this morning's class. Tomorrow morning, Tuesday, 9.30 a.m., we have our class for women. Love you all. Have a beautiful day, a meaningful day, an inspiring day, a day of bittel, which means a day in which you can see yourself every moment as a conduit for the divine infinity. You are the manifestation. You are the air of Hashem in this world, the meeting of Iris and Kalem and Hashemus. I see one last question. It's very nice. If one would think about the source of his yeshes, that it comes from the fact that he is similar to the light of the divine, it would help lead him to Bittl. And really, the only way that he could really be similar to the divine is by removing his yeshes, which disrupts his true connection to the divine. That's the truth. In other words, if you could realize that the source of your sense of ego is from the fact that the light of Hashem is being manifested in you and Hashem's ego is true, so then what happens is you realize that even your sense of separateness at its core, is really the secret of Bittal. That's, that's, that's the truth. Yeah. It's not the, I didn't get into it because even though I mentioned it, because it's a whole other, it's a whole other level and dimension, but that's very true. That's very true. Okay. Have a beautiful, beautiful day. We're talking about life. So, l'chaim, to life, to intrinsic life, not to fake life.